Welcome to All In. I'm Rick Jordan. Today I'm the CEO of a large technology company, but in 2007, I lost it all. And now I'm here to share the lessons I've learned and the strategies my guests have used to build success from the bottom up. And in every episode, you'll get something to reach for and something to grab onto. Whether it's personal development, business, technology, or giving back, you'll be able to ignite the spark in your life to make that change and transformation so 10 years down the road from now, You'll be able to look back and say, I don't even know that person that I was. I'm so glad I decided to rise. I'm so glad I decided to stand up and actually begin to start to ignite the spark, to go all in. Welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. I am Rick Jordan. I'm going to be talking about the five fundamental objections that you'll come up against in any sort of sales engagement that you might have. And while I'm specifying this towards sales today, you might think, oh, you know what, I'm gonna shut this episode off right now, I'm not in sales, you know, I do engineering or I do you know, just background operations or I'm an administrative assistant, I don't do sales. And wrong, everybody is involved in sales because sales by definition is just the transference of trust. So if you're not selling yourself, even when you go into a job interview, hey, guess what? That's a sales engagement right there. You are trying to sell your prospective employer on your abilities to be able to perform that job to the best of your ability. And even if you're just an administrative assistant, and I don't say just because I have an amazing executive assistant that really runs everything that I do right now, and even she is in sales. She is interacting with all of my prospects. She is interacting with every vendor relationship that I have and has to sell me by proxy in every single conversation, every single interaction that she's a part of. So we're gonna go through the five fundamental objections to a sale today that you're going to run into. Now you may say, oh, I know those already. You know, the, the biggest one that I get is, you know, oh, I just can't afford it or it's too much money wrong. That is not a fundamental objection that is a diversion. <laughs> or you might hear, you know, I, I, I think I need to talk it over with my wife, my, my husband, my lawyer, my accountants. I've heard that one time and time and time and time and time and time again. But that is not the real objection. That is just a diversion. They may say that because they've been programmed to say this. And you want to hear another crazy one that is just a fake objection? Oh, well, send me a proposal. Hey, proposals are where sales go to die. If you get into that and somebody says that, they are telling you no. Right then and there, they're telling you this is not gonna happen. It's a diversion. They don't even realize it themselves, but these are just fake objections. I'm gonna go through the real five fundamental objections to any sale today. You ready for number one? First, no, I'm not gonna get into that yet because I'm just tricking you. I, I thought you may, wanted to make you think I'd go right into it, but I wanna give you a concept here first. Anytime you walk into any sales engagements, you need to understand that you are telling a story. You are trying to paint a picture of what could be if they decide to work with you, if that prospect decides to work with you. And there's a concept here. You don't wanna walk in and list out your resume and say, this is what I do. You wanna tell them who you are because who you are is way more important than what you actually do. 
A sales engagement is an extension of marketing. Marketing kind of tees up the ball for you and then sales comes in and it whacks that sucker 300 yards. That's how you need to look at this. And I know 300 yards is a long distance. Nobody can really do that for all you golfers out there. But I'm just saying this is how you tee it up. So when you go in there and you talk with your prospects, you are selling yourself. It is a transference of trust. So what you have to look at is any sort of offer that is based on this story that you're telling you. You may think this is how we're going to fulfill it. And Mr. Prospect, Mrs. Prospect, this is how we're going to do what we're going to do. Never get into the how. You want to paint the picture of what could be because your offer is 90% outcome and just 10% service delivery. I'm gonna say that again, your offer is 90% outcome. The story that you're telling, the transformation, that, that picture that you're painting, and then 10% is just the how, that service delivery portion. Always focus on the what. When you take this approach, you'll probably eliminate all those false objections, those smoke screens that I was telling you about, and you'll get down to the real nitty gritty. The five fundamental objections to any sale, the first one, now I'm really gonna tell you, they don't see it as part of their lifestyle. Meaning that e even though it's a business, maybe it's B2B, okay? B2C, business to consumer, that makes so much more sense when it comes to a statement like this, that you know, I'm not going to purchase this new supplement or I'm not going to buy into this diet program, or I'm not going to buy that hoverboard. It's a product because I don't see it as my lifestyle. I don't wanna go out and ride around a hoverboard. I don't wanna ride a Segway. I don't wanna take these pills because I just don't take supplements. That's not something I believe in. I don't see it as part of my lifestyle. Now that is a fundamental objection. Remember how I was going back to what your offer is, how it's 90% outcome and 10% service delivery. If you look at a supplement, for example, I take brain octane oil, bulletproof, every morning, it's awesome, it's good brain food. It did not sell me on the product itself and being able to put oil into my coffee. <laughs> by Just by thinking about that, a guy who has been drinking black coffee for years, ever since I was 16, I never put anything in my coffee, ever. I drink straight espresso. I do even triple shots ristretto, which means it's less liquid, so there's more grounds and more flavor in it. And I get told that this brain octane oil is gonna jumpstart my day. It's gonna give me fuel for my brain so I can make clear decisions, walk into any sort of engagement and be able to think through the ultimate possibilities of that and be able to just rock my world because I start my day with this packet of oil with this tablespoon of oil in my coffee. That, friends, is 90% outcome. The 10% service delivery is just the portion of what that actually is, the oil going into my coffee. So when you walk into someone and they don't see it as part of their lifestyle, even business to business, they may think that your service, your product is not applicable to their industry. That's part of their lifestyle because their business is their lifestyle. What they're doing, that's putting food on their table. That's forming a, a college tuition fund for their kids. Their business is their lifestyle. So if they don't see you fitting into that, you are focusing too much on the 10% service delivery and not focusing on the 90% outcome or transformation that your service or product is going to provide. Does that make sense to you? I hope it does because that's the first one. And that's a huge one. So when they just say, oh, I just can't afford it. 
wrong. They're trying to just tell you, you know what? I don't see it as part of my lifestyle because you have not told them the outcome or the value, which at times can be priceless. I suppose I could segue a little bit into price here a little bit in that when you're talking about value, when you're looking at what you're going to provide as an outcome for somebody, that transformation, you want to focus on that outcome and transformation because there are so many ways that you can charge way more, top dollar, 10 times, 20 times, 100 times that everybody else is charging because you are selling the outcome. The 10% service delivery, that's the commodity. The 90% outcome is where you decommoditize whatever it is that you're trying to sell, your service, your product, that somebody else might be doing the same exact thing. But remember how I said who you are is way more important than what you actually do? Because you are now saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Dave Asprey says, you are going to start your day off amazing just because you're using this oil. The using the oil part is 10%, but he starts to talk about the transformation you're going to have, being able to jumpstart your metabolism so you can drop weight, so that you can think through your day clearly because now you're feeding your brain first thing in the morning. That's the outcome that he's focusing on. So when I don't see that as part of my lifestyle originally, saying that I, don't, I drink black coffee, I don't put anything in my coffee. Why would I want to put some junk, some oil into my coffee? That just does not make sense to me. But when Dave, that's the service delivery. So I did not see that as part of my lifestyle. When Dave starts talking about, oh my gosh, your, your life is going to change because you're using this stuff. You're going to be able to think more clearly. I'm like, well, I think I want to think more clearly. <laughs> I think I want to keep my metabolism going faster. So absolutely, I can see that as part of my lifestyle. Check, that objection is gone because he just focused on the story that's going to deliver the transformation found in his offer. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Second one, this has to do with price a little bit too. Cost effective. The person, and this is belief. Remember how I said that sales by definition is the transference of trust? Well, if I were to just say that somebody doesn't trust you, that would also be paraphrased as, I don't believe you. If someone doesn't see anything as cost-effective, meaning that other fake objection as, you know, I just can't afford it, they might think that the price is too high. It's again coming back to that outcome. So if they don't believe that it's cost-effective, you have not shown them clearly what the value is or the 90% outcome is from the service or product that you were going to deliver. And that's on you. It's not for them to just magically get it. You have to take them through a journey. You have to tell a story, pull from your life. Everybody who's in sales, which remember is everybody, always has stories that they can pull from to explain anything. I've been doing this longer than, than most, so I can just pull stories out of my butt sometimes at the drop of a hat, but that's just what happens. You start to get better at storytelling the more you do it, but you, you need to just start doing it. Transform your sales engagements from running down a list, a list of checklists and, and features and turn that into storytelling. Pull from things from your own life and then that person will start to see the value and that cost-effective objection is gonna fly out the window because now they feel that Oh my gosh, instead of thinking, you know what, I can't afford this, now they start to think, I hope I can afford this. Totally different mindset because they shift over to saying, the first one is saying, I don't need this thing. 
when they say, I can't afford this. The second side, when they say, I hope I can afford this, or I hope I can afford you, is saying, I recognize that this will do something amazing for me. And I need to find out some way to be able to obtain this. I hope it's not too far out there to where I can't, I have literally no means to try to gain it. Or you know what? I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make sure that I, I can go after this. I might work extra hours. I might have to shift some things around or raise my prices in order for me to obtain the product or the service that you are providing. That's when it becomes cost effective and that objection is out the window. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Now you're telling the story and you're starting to tell them, you're getting them to believe in you. You want number three? Here's number three. Remember I was talking about the transference of trust? That's the definition of sales and I touched on this a little bit in that it's paraphrases, I don't believe you. That is the third objection. But they don't believe in you or they don't believe in your company. This is huge. This is, uh, this is really what it is. Who you are is more important than what you do. And when somebody doesn't believe in your company or they don't believe in you, you have not given them the value. You have not shown them what you can legitimately provide to transform their lives. It's not that you haven't explained all the features, going back to that, because I'm sure everybody out there, I know it does. You know, when I walk into a sales engagement, I'll tell you this, I, I don't have a piece of paper that I provide to them. I don't have a list of all the deliverables. The very first engagement is just talking to them about where they're at, where they're looking to go. Now, all of my engagements are B2B, business to business. And in technology, everyone expects questions about, hey, how's everything running? Or how secure do you think that you are? But when I ask them questions like, hey, what was your revenue last year? What was your revenue the year before that? Oh, that's awesome. You had an increase of 13%. Or you know what? You, you just dropped by 20%. What's going on? What, what do you attribute to that? And when they start to get into the nitty gritty, I get the questions. It's like, wait, aren't you in tech? Why are you asking me about revenue? Well, duh. <laughs> revenue or technology is a tool that helps you drive revenue. It's not the end all and be all like most of the tech guys that will walk through the door. They'll focus on the gigabytes and all the other junk that does, doesn't freaking matter when, remember, that's the service delivery portion of it. That's the 10% service delivery, the equipment, the software, the apps, all of that. I focus on the outcome. So when I ask the question, what was your revenue last year? And they say, oh, it decreased. Well, that's pretty obvious, right? Any salesperson could go in and say, oh, you know what? We're gonna help you get that back. No problem, this is what we're gonna do. But what if they say, oh, it increased? How do you help them increase it even more? Because now you're looking at, well, that, that still, that's a pain point. Even though somebody says, hey, our revenue increased, a lot of people will just give up in that moment. And that's why they don't believe in you or they don't believe in your company that you can help them because you give up right then and there. They come up with an objection that you're like, oh, well, you, you must be okay. They tell you that you're fine. You have to reframe. You have to redefine for them what fine actually means. I know with my company that grows super fast, still growing super fast. The biggest struggle I had in 2018 last year was that we were growing super fast. That was the biggest pain point. And everyone would think, oh my gosh, you got so much extra revenue coming in. That's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, I've had a hair transplant because of all the hair that I pulled out. <laughs> Not really, but I don't pull out my hair. But 
Revenue growth is also a pain point. And there's ways to make things more efficient for them. So don't just give up when they come up with something you might not have an answer to in that moment. Understand that anything that comes out of your prospect's mouth is a pain point, good or bad. It is all pain. And they just need to be reframed to understand that they are not fine. And then they will start to buy into you, start to believe in you, because now you, you start to care about where they're at, whether they're doing bad or good in their business. Now they believe in you. Now they believe in your company. And that whole, I need to think about it, or I need to talk to my husband or my wife or my lawyer, it just goes out the window also, because now they don't need the opinion of somebody else. They believe in your company and they believe in you to the point to where they can say yes. And here's the straight truth for everyone out there. Anything other than a yes is a no. So anything else that they tell you, no matter what it is, even if, well, let me think about it. That's a no, people. That is no, the biggest no in the world. Because it has to do with one of these fundamental five objections that we've gotten through three of them now. Let's move to number four. Mm, yeah, I'm getting excited. I don't believe, remember that trust thing? This, kind of, this is another belief one. I don't believe it's going to work the way you tell me it's going to work. Now, why is that? That's really because of confusion. Because, And here's the fundamental of this concept right here. If you go in and you start talking about a list of features, or you start talking about packages, and that's the whole thing, you are presenting prematurely. When you, people don't really care about that. You need to tell the story. You have not led them down the path of your story that you need to tell them to get them to the point to where they can see the outcome that could be. You need to show them the vision and paint that picture. That if you just show them a list of features, most of the time, especially in tech, what I'm in, they don't freaking understand what I'm showing them. <laughs> This is, this is, that's the whole point you're in there to begin with is because it's not, whether it's tech or whether it's anything else, you are the experts and you need to walk in there understanding that you are the expert and that if you talk about anything that you do as far as nuts and bolts, it's just going to cause confusion. It's just going to make them think that, oh my gosh, I don't even understand this stuff. How could I even grasp it to the point to know if I need it in the first place? You have to tell the story and show them the outcome. See how it all comes back to that? If you don't tell them the story and lead them down the path of transformation and what could be, they're gonna come back and they're gonna give you this objection number four, where they're saying, I don't believe it's gonna work the way that you tell me it's going to work. D that's simply saying, I'm confused. That's paraphrasing that. If they don't get it, then you have not told the story. You have not shown the outcome. You get it tracking with me so far? I hope so, because we're blasting through this list and I love it. I've got a lot of stories about these things too. And uh, I talk to my team all the time about being absolute with their statements because you don't want to go in as a salesperson and especially say, you know, well, I'm going to talk about these features or, you know what, here's what might be, here's whatever, you know, I even have this phrase on the wall that when I talk about absolutes, it's just, I have this canvas art all around my office and there's things, you know, we, we have a recurring segment on, on the show, on, on this show, all in with Rick Jordan called The One Thing, where 
it's one thing that I give you every week. You're responsible as a listener, as a subscriber, to take out one thing too beyond that. But I'm going to give it to you easy and always give you one thing. This isn't the one thing, but I have a canvas that says <laughs> one thing in my office. And there's a lot of other things there too. But one of them says can't. That's the only thing on, the, on this canvas. It's two feet by three feet. It's large. It's on the wall. And it just says can't. And then it has big old paint strokes on it in the form of an X crossing it out. And those who will walk into the office will just think, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, it's like that whole cliche thing. You know, we don't say can't. There's always an answer. That, that's not what it actually means to me, <laughs> which is why I have this on the wall, because I, I love being able to explain things and get reactions out of people. And that's why there's a hidden meaning behind this that I love to bring to light. What I say around my office, and this has to do with always speaking absolutes that I always teach my team, is we don't say can't. My team says don't. Can't implies that you, you're lazy. You don't want to figure it out. Only because you've done it the same way, you know, for 10 years, five years, two years, whatever it is, you, you just accept that as an answer that no, this is impossible. Or I, I'm just too lazy to try to think up a solution and go outside the box. Can't is not allowed. My team says don't because don't implies that there is a reason behind it and that reason is absolute don't is a pretty absolute word it's pretty solid it's concrete when you say don't that just means oh uh -uh, not happening but what's the reason behind it if you say can't that implies that you that person is incapable of providing this solution you don't have the answer and eh, wrong that's not going to instill belief in delivery of your product or service or doing what you say it's going to do. When you say don't and you give the reason behind it saying, I don't do this because blah, 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 blah. Now they start to believe you and that you are the expert because now you have an answer. Now you're able to provide the confidence to them that whatever it is, this outcome, this story that you're telling is actually something that's going to happen in real life. Number five, and this is the last real objection that I have for you today. I don't think it's going to be as easy as you say it's going to be, which means that you have not told the story correctly. Now, there could be situations to where it's legitimately a very hard process to go through what your prospect needs to go through with whatever service or product you're trying to deliver. However, it's still your responsibility to make it easier for them. Hello, that's why they need to hire you. <laughs> that's why they need your service. That's why they need your product, to make it easy. It's either they don't know how to do what you do, they don't have time to do what you do or obtain the product that you're going to provide, or quite simply, they're lazy and don't want to do it themselves. Any of those, that's okay, that's all good. But you need to make it easy for them. This comes down to a lot of things, the process of going through it, but also a big one is barriers to entry. I'll give you an example from my company. In managed services, cybersecurity, I still do not do term agreements. I don't do contracts. I don't lock clients in for a year, two years, three years. I love John Ledger from T-Mobile because he broke the mold with 
cellular, as far as eliminating contracts. I've never done those even before John Ledger was around in T-Mobile. I was not doing this in technology because I saw, like him, like-minded, I saw everyone else locking their clients in and saying, you're gonna stick with me for three years. Three years was like the minimum. Some are doing five years, seven years, say, oh, well, you know what? I've got to lock them in. That way I can project my revenue. I can increase the valuation of my company. You know what? Who cares? Really, if you're doing a good job for them, if you are serving first, the money will follow. They will not go anywhere. And if they reevaluate a year down the road, six months down the road, then you're not fulfilling your end of the bargain. Or their needs could have legitimately changed and now you are not the right fit for them, or here's a, a big one, they might not even be the right fit for you as a client. Last month, I let go of three clients. because I, I discovered that the clients that I have difficulty with are those that are struggling financially because of mismanagement of business, they're going downhill. Or there might just be an industry hit and they're going downhill, and they start to try to cut things wherever they possibly can. I have one client where his business has declined over the past year, but he sees value, and the comment that he made was awesome. He said, the only thing that goes right around here is you, Rick, <laughs> is your team. And I love that, because you are the only stability that I have in my company right now. How's that for value? How's that for outcome? That's belief, that's trust. I have made it easy for him to do business with me. It is my responsibility. You have to eliminate entry barriers. What, I don't know what that is for you. For me, it was terms, it was contracts. So I just, of course I have an agreement. It's the like terms and conditions, right? That just establishes how this business relationship is going to work when I'm providing. It also says that my clients agree to pay me. <laughs> That's kind of important, you wanna be paid. You need to establish ground rules, but to lock somebody in, I hope that my clients constantly reevaluate because then they're just reassured over and over and over again that my companies, one of my businesses, is the right fit for them. And when they do that, I also know that I can examine if they're the right fit for me, if they're the right fit for my team. So make it easy, eliminate barriers. This is just, some fundamental things, but how to overcome some of these objections. I've already gone through that with a lot of these, you know, but the one thing I want you to take away today from this episode is when you go into a sales engagement, I've hit this over and over and over again today, you are telling a story. If you're not good at telling stories right now and you just go through the features, just start telling stories now. Get around your dinner table, start telling your family things. Go out to bars and, and tell, I'm sure you tell stories to your friends at bars. <laughs> you go to bars, grab those. You can, guys, you can spin anything and pull some sort of business or sales application out of it. You just have to start trying it. You know what, it's gonna sound stupid the first couple times you do it. I'm just telling you now that you're gonna listen to yourself as the words are coming out of your mouth and think, oh my gosh, I should just eat my foot. <laughs> but that's okay. It's not gonna sound great right away. But the one thing is that any sort of sales engagement, your offer is 90% outcome and 10% service delivery. Get out there and go crush it.
Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out every Monday. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. Number five, and this is the last real objection that I have for you today, is, oh, where'd it go? It's nice that you can edit this. Yeah, right? I love that, yeah. We'll do a little squirrel, maybe. Yes, squirrel.